Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Tom Bernard Show. Filling in for Tom, I'm Dave Schrader, along with Doug Sprinthal. Andy Brant Bernard. Cassie Schrader. Stay tuned. We've got a great show lined up for you right after this. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. And now from the Walzer Automotive Group, the one and only Mr. Doug Sprinthal. Well, thank you, Dave. Well, it's good to have you back in the studio with us. Thanks for not doing turning into a Mauer Chevrolet commercial like you did last time you were on. Well, you know, you make one mistake. That's it. <laughs> it was actually really funny. Um, I want to talk for a minute about our the newest Mazda dealership in the United States of America. We uh, we bought Walzers bought Polar Chevrolet and Mazda about a year ago. And at the time, the Mazda dealership and the Chevy store were in the same building. Both franchises had sort of outgrew that. So we built a brand-new Mazda dealership on Highway 61 right across the street from uh, the Chevy store, home of the big white bear. Um, And you should check it out. The guy that runs it has worked for the company for over 20 years. He's a good friend of mine. His general manager's name is Brett Judy's. Wonderful person. Stop in, say hi to him, check out their new Mazdas, and, uh, I don't know, have fun. All right, Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. There's a new story that uh, Cher is releasing a new album that's all cover versions of ABBA. Why? Oh, God. Leave uh, it alone, Cher. Well, she just got done. She's in the new Mamma Mia movie, so maybe she got the flavor for it. Only ABBA could do ABBA. Or do you pronounce it ABBA? Uh-huh. Actually, there was a band that came out called A-Teens in the, I want to say it was very early 2000s, because Kayla, my uh-huh. daughter, had uh, their, their CD, and they did all ABBA cover versions, and they were actually pretty good. I think it's interesting that they're going to come back now. They're releasing new music, but they're going to do concerts that are 3D holograms of them, and they've painted them to look young like they used to. That, that's not kind of sad. It's sad, more than a little sad. I, I don't know. Being a tech nerd like I am, I'm just fascinated to see how they pull it off. No, it's interesting, but it's just, I don't know. I don't want to be at, ever at the point where they're, like, dressing me up as if I'm not old and sad. Well, what's, I mean, that's what they do, those um, hologram with artists that are dead. Yeah, well, that's Don't, one thing. I mean, there's I mean, no alternative, yeah, right? You can't well, really help that. that's the whole that. purpose of it, because, like, they did Tupac at Coachella. 
Mm-hmm. Um, they did that Michael Jackson you know, one. It's like a peanut butter and jelly donut. Just because it's possible doesn't mean <laughs> you should, it should, you should do it. Actually, I'm, I want to try a peanut butter and jelly donut. Yeah, just find one of them five dollar a shot joints and I'll I'll do hook it. you right up. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's. Willis is here. Oh, he is great. Uh, we've got joining us on the line right now and promoting his book, uh, Frustrated Witness, the true story of the Adam Walsh case and police misconduct, Willis Morgan, who was an eyewitness at the mall the day that Adam Walsh was taken. But rather than a sense of relief when the Hollywood Police Department finally convicted a suspect, Otis Toole, in 2008, he felt sick and frustrated because he knows that they got the wrong guy. Willis, thank you for joining us on the Tom Bernard Show. Well, thank you. Talk to us through this case. It was just to kind of catch people up. Six-year-old Adam Walsh was abducted from the Hollywood, Florida Mall on July 27, 1981. His severed head would be found later at the Florida Turnpike, and no one could have guessed that it would take police almost 30 years to find the culprit or that they even got it wrong and that they were so wrong on this. Why, Willis, do you believe that Otis Toole, who is a well-known ne'er-do-well and, and uh, believed serial killer who admitted to many crimes over his life and career, why do you think they've got the wrong guy? Well, because it's not just me that believes that. It's all the original detectives that were involved in the Adam Walsh case. They all adamantly dismissed uh, Otis Toole and say he is not involved, including the FBI agent that interviewed Otis Toole. Uh, he completely dismissed Otis too, as well as uh, the FBI agent who interviewed another infamous serial killer that they, the one they dismissed, Jeffrey Dahmer, and said Dahmer is very likely the suspect, and he believes Dahmer gave him as close to a confession as you can get. And the reason Otis too is dismissed, uh, Dave, because you know you interviewed other witnesses. Right. Uh, like Ginger Keaton or son Terry Keaton. That incident mirrors the Hollywood Mall incident where a mother went to the mall and with her son, left her son in the toy department. But the only difference between that incident and the Hollywood Mall incident is that they went to shop for a lamp, Ginger went to shop for a dress. Other than that, it's a very exact, similar case including the blue van that was parked right by the uh, fire lane. Now, for a lot of people, John Walsh, if you don't know, from America's Most Wanted, was the father of Adam Walsh. And this this unfortunate, tragic event definitely spurned a, a justice warrior into the world who has done his best to make sure that children and other people would be protected and safe. So there is some silver lining to this tragedy. But this guy's life is so unbelievable. Um I don't know. If, do you listen to audiobooks at all? I do. Yeah. His his story, when you realize all that really went on behind this, not only did his kid go missing, but then they start interviewing his wife and his best friend, only to find out that they've been having an affair. Oh, I didn't know that. And she wouldn't leave him because of Adam, so now they're questioning the best friend. Maybe you took Adam so that they, he'd be out of the mix and you two could be together. Suddenly your world goes from topsy-turvy to completely upside down. And to to live through the death of a child is unbearable to even think of. But then to just have every wall around you collapse, I can kind of understand where John might be a little bit more um, distracted or a little bit more in denial regarding all of this because he's been dragged through so much over these 30 years. But but the evidence you've amassed is pretty uh, compelling, uh, Willis. Why don't you get us started on that? How How did you first come to believe that the killer was, in fact, Jeffrey Dahmer? Well, because uh, I had an encounter with him at the mall on the same day that Adam was abducted. He, I, I went to the mall. See, I was off on that Monday mm-hmm. for my work where I worked at, uh, for the Miami Herald, the largest newspaper in Florida. So I was going to the, the Hollywood Mall to eat at the German Deli, okay? This is like a little market, a deli, restaurant, everything in one. And it was in that mall. It was very, very popular, a restaurant there. And I was going there to get a pastrami sandwich. But before I went there, I decided to stop in Radio Shack, which was almost directly across the uh, hallway from the deli. And it was while I was in that Radio Shack that I had an encounter with this guy. Now, this encounter, I'm trying to keep this condensed, uh, give you a condensed version of this. But this encounter was so bizarre and so intense that 
Winston, I didn't respond to this guy, and he kept trying to start a conversation with me. And I didn't realize two years later, he wanted more than just conversation. Most likely he was trying right. to pick me up. But I didn't want to start a conversation, so I didn't say anything to him. Finally, he stomped out of the radio shack, and when he left, you know, I this is before Adam was abducted, keep in mind. I knew somebody, I had no idea who, but somebody was going to be in trouble. That's how dangerous this guy looked. And so I was watching him, and I saw him walk into Sears, I saw him walk to the far end, and I still kept watching him, and I saw him walk into the toy department. But at that point, I turned around and went home. It was that evening I heard about an abduction, and I always, I always knew it had to be that guy. When I heard about it on the news, the first thing that came to my mind, that guy, that guy did it. He actually did it. That's how certain I was. Now, how can it be that you get this feeling about somebody on the same day and time and location where Adam was abducted, that it could be anybody else but this guy? I just didn't know who this guy was until 10 years later. When I saw his mugshot in the newspaper, and that's when I really started looking into this, trying to figure out what went, went wrong and why the police kept dismissing me. Because what happened was, when I saw that mugshot, I went back to the Hollywood Police Department, and I brought with me the mugshot from the paper. I actually brought the paper with me. And then I called, we have a storage room, because back then it was before the computer age in 1981. So they had a room, we called it the library, but it was actually a storage room where they stored hard copies of all their newspapers. And so if you wanted uh, to do research, you would have to contact the uh, library, and you would have to have a, a, a very close date, because they, they'd have to go through newspapers and do manual research. Right. So there was a charge for this, but since I worked for the Hell, they didn't charge me. It was a free service for me. And I asked them, I said, do you remember the composites that ran in the newspaper for the uh, Adam Walsh case? And they said, yes, of course they remember. Everybody's so familiar with that case. It's all they talked about down here in South Florida back then. So I said, can you do me a favor? Send me the composite. So I brought that composite to the Hollywood Police Station, and their drawers job dropped. Because I didn't realize it at the time. That composite was a spitting image of the mugshot in the paper, Jeffrey Dahmer, but it wasn't the composite from the Hollywood Mall. It was from another mall 60 miles north where that incident I told you about that mirrored the Hollywood Mall. A mother went there with her son. And by the way, see, you know, uh, this case is 37 years old as of last July 27th. Mm -hmm. And when a case drags on for so many years, witnesses pass away. And you've interviewed a Ginger uh, Keaton. Yes, I have. Right? She just passed away a month ago. So, right. yeah, she won't be in it, uh, talking anymore. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I was so thankful that you did do those interviews with her. But um, anyway, uh, that incident that those witnesses swear was Jeffrey Dahmer and not Otis Tool. Okay? And it couldn't have been Otis Tool. This was two weeks before Adam on July 13th. Now, the Hollywood Police Department didn't know about that incident until Adam was abducted, and all the witnesses from that incident, from that mall, started calling the Hollywood Police Department, as well as John Atwater, the police chief, telling them, hey, everything matches. We know this has got to be related to your case. A blue van, the composites match, the descriptions match, everything matches. But they dismissed it. You know why? The composite didn't match. The composite from that mall as well as the Hollywood mall, even though they matched each other, didn't match John Walsh's house guest, James Campbell. And that's the quote from the Sun Tatler from the, the lead detective, Jack Hoffman. That's his quote. That's why he dismissed it. Hmm. So because it didn't fit the narrative. Each other, so because it's missing James Campbell, they dismissed the police chief, all the witnesses, and that was on July 13th. There's documented evidence showing at that date, Otis Tool was in a hospital in Newport News, Virginia. He wasn't even in the state of Florida. So if you believe those incidents were connected, that automatically eliminates Otis Tool. These detectives were just too incompetent to figure anything out until 1991 when Jeffrey Dahmer was captured. And I walked back in there with the wrong composite. Their jaws dropped because they realized right away that was the wrong composite. It was one from the Twin City Mall that they'd been dismissing. Not only that one, but others, too, as well as South Beach, Deerfield Beach. 
There was police chiefs from all over calling them, telling them there's been attempted abductions in their city. They were dismissing everything. So now, when I went there with that composite, right. they knew they messed up big time in 1981, and they went into full cover-up mode. So that's what they're doing. And the, and the Milwaukee police do, does the same thing. There's murders that happen in the same building where Jeffrey Dahmer lived, the Oxford building, that aren't part of that 17 wow. that, that Dahmer's uh, accredited for and admitted to. Well, now let's so let's can, talk about that. I know a lot of people, and we, we've talked about it on other shows, but just for the audience here spread across Minnesota and, and around the world, the people that say, well, this doesn't fit Dahmer's M.O. He only went for Hispanic or, or ethnic-looking young men, and, and that was his attraction. It wasn't children. How do you respond yeah, so, to that? Uh, well, these, these people are all part of the cover-up, or they're just totally, totally inept and incompetent. First of all, Adam, as well as Conrex and Sazenfone, were both decapitated. Okay? Those mm-hmm. were his two youngest victims. If that doesn't fit his M.O., I don't know what the heck does. Right. Okay, number one. Number two, whether it fits his M.O. or not, it doesn't account for the fact that he was at the Sears that day in that toy department at the same time and location where Adam was abducted. How do you discount that? There's composites to back up the witness's statement. When I contacted all these witnesses, they said, yes, that's the person they were trying to describe, Jeffrey Dahmer. That's unbelievable. And And just to think, I mean, if, if it's true... You have Otis Toole, you've got Henry Lee Lucas, and you've got Jeffrey Dahmer all within about a 20-mile radius of one another, actively killing at, at the same time. That's, that's terrifying. Incorrect. Otis Toole was never in South Florida, except for when they dragged him down here one time. He was in Jacksonville. That's over 300 miles away. He's never been here. That's all just made up by a detect- one of the detectives, Joe Matthews. L- listen what happened. Joe Matthews is one of the detectives that w- was involved in the case since its inception. In fact, John Walsh wrote a book, Tears of Rage. The ra- reason for that title is the rage over the way the Hollywood Police Department was conducting the, uh, the investigation of his son. And he called him in his book, bumbling, a bunch of bumbling, stumbling idiots. Okay? Now, in uh, 19... 19- 87, I think it was February 8th, uh, Fox TV chose John Walsh to be the host of America's Most Wanted, and the, and the first show aired on February 8th. One of these detectives, his name, his name is Joe Matthews, okay? He heard John got this show, so he called John and befriended him, and John Walsh hired him on America's Most Wanted as the senior lead investigator. So for decades, he was on that show feeding John Walsh all this crap about Otis Tool being the guy. All right, so... He's one of these... He's the most incompetent of all of them. And he did it... He came to the conclusion that it was Otis Tool without calling not one witness. You've interviewed Amir Taylor. You've interviewed Ginger Key. None of them will tell you that they were ever called by by Detective Matthews. Right. It's it's terrifying. We've got more information to share. Willis Morgan, our guest this hour, frustrated witness, the true story of the Adam Walsh case and police misconduct when we return to the Tom Bernard Show. Did you know that about 60% of people over the age of 60 are starting to experience cloudy, blurry, or dim vision due to cataracts? Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Eye Care. Whiting Clinic is best known for their fabulous LASIK results. You've heard me rave about them for years, but did you know they're also experts in cataract surgery? Yes, indeed, and I'm here to tell you about my wonderful experience having cataract surgery at Whiting Clinic. I'm at that age when my vision started to fade, so I called up the folks at Whiting Clinic. They helped me out right away. My cataract surgery was super easy, and thanks to the Whiting Clinic, my vision is top-notch once again. Whiting Clinic has the most advanced lens technology options, so I can see far away and up close without wearing any glasses. If you want to learn more about your options for cataract surgery or clearer vision, attend one of Whiting Clinic's cataract seminars. Call Whiting Clinic at 855-554-2020 to RSVP today. That's 855-554-2020 to learn more about your cataract surgery options at Whiting Clinic. 
Tom Bernard here to tell you, Priority Courier Experts has immediate openings for drivers looking for more. Priority drivers are independent contractors who set their own hours, start from their own driveways, and deliver local on-call parcels and freight, which means you're home for dinner every night, and you get paid weekly. Right now, Priority's driver-friendly lease-to-own program has brand-new dock trucks, flatbeds, curtain sides, and tractor trailers just waiting to be driven home. And Priority is also offering a $4,000 sign-on bonus to qualified drivers. So if you've got the skills, we can get you qualified to start driving a brand new truck in as little as three days. Calling all drivers. Come get the $4,000 sign-on bonus you deserve for all the knowledge and experience you bring to the delivery business. Call Roger or Eddie right now at 651-748-4477 or visit them online at Priority.com. Priority Courier Experts. Every time you call us, we deliver. We're back on the Tom Bernard Show. In his book, Frustrated Witness, Willis Morgan details his unnerving encounter with serial killer Jeffrey Dahmer in the mall. The other eyewitness accounts of that fateful day and the major flaws that have been part of the police investigation. This is the account of Adam Walsh's abduction and my attempts stretching across decades to find justice for him, is what Morgan writes. Obviously, this has had to have been brought to John's attention and John Walsh's attention and and being somebody who is thorough and wanting to look through every detail and, and make sense of this murder of his son. Why do you believe John Walsh has... Um, not accepted this or or been willing to to entertain this as as the possibility that uh, the Dahmer was the one involved in the death of his son. Well, listen, when Dahmer was first captured, Dahmer's own father, Lionel, called America's Most Wanted and told them that he believes his son murdered Adam. Mm. And and John Walsh put a lot of credence into what he said, and he he called the. Uh, uh, South Florida kept trying to get the detectives to go up, the, the lead detective, Jack Hoffman, to go up and interview Dahmer. It took him like, uh, 13 months, over a year, to go up there, only after constant prodding by John Walsh and the FBI, because he did not want to interview Jeffrey Dahmer. He was afraid Jeffrey Dahmer might admit to it and, and open up a can of worms. And, and so he finally only went up there after John Walsh got a letter from the state attorney's office saying they wouldn't um, seek capital punishment. And he gave that letter to the detective and asked him, okay, go up there. And the detective tried his last time. He said, listen, we don't have money for that kind of a trip. So John Walsh said, listen, I'm making good money on TV, so I'll pay for it. So he paid for that detective to go up there and, and with that letter on the concession on the death penalty. But that detective, in the whole interview, because it was a taped interview, nowhere in there does he offer that letter to Jeffrey Dahmer. Nowhere as John Walsh wanted him to. Hmm. How could there have been so many missteps in this case? I mean, it was such an attention grabber. Why do you think that, that these law enforcement officials got so tunnel visioned on one or two suspects and refused to look at, at the logic of what else was going on? Well, because there was just total chaos at the police department. There wasn't <laughs> one detective in charge. So, you know, all these witnesses that were being dismissed were be, were, didn't know about another witness. So they were individually being dismissed by different people. And there was nobody keeping track of anything. I mean, there was, John Walsh was right. They are the biggest bunch of bumbling, stumbling idiots since the Keystone Cops. But Joe Matthews, the, the detective that finally befriended John Walsh, and he's the one that wrote the manuscript that he named after himself called the Matthews Report, a 400-page report that pinned this unartist tool. And he's the detective that wrote a book uh, with a co-author, uh, Les Stanford, titled Bringing Adam Home. And in there, you know, he doesn't mention any of the real witnesses. All the witnesses he mentions in his book are cellmates of Otis Tool who would say things like, yeah, everybody in prison knows he did it. I mean, what kind of evidence is that? Right. Right. He and Otis liked to brag about things. He, he admitted to it, but then he even recanted his own testimony, correct? Many times he's recanted. And listen, this past July 27th, uh, a reporter from Fort Lauderdale, her name is Michelle Solomon, she did a, a 
five-episode uh, anniversary uh, podcast on the Adam Walsh case. And in the fifth episode, she interviewed Joe Matthews. She interviewed the, the uh, detectives from the Hollywood Police Department, as well as myself, and as well as John Walsh. And John Walsh was very adamant about her. I mean, I don't know if John Walsh didn't realize that he was being recorded for a podcast, but his language was pretty colorful. In fact, it was so colorful, she had to give a warning at the beginning of the show about his language. And he told her if she dares, he told her if she dares uh, open that show with Jeffrey Dahmer, you will never hear from me again because it's nothing but BS. There's a writer out there trying to write a book and make money off of my son's murder. That's what he told her. So he's, he's in. You know, it's like the Stockholm Syndrome. John Walsh wrote a book, Tears of Rage, because of his anger over these detectives. When they finally closed the case and pinned it on Otis tool, now all of a sudden, these are his best friends and colleagues. And yeah. so John Walsh is behind them 100%, and he's behind these. He's stuck on his closing. It's a false closing, and he's stuck on it. No, you know, it's like Patty Hearst. Remember in 1974 right. when the, uh, what is it, the Simeonese Liberation Army abducted her and she became so fond of her abductors that she even robbed a bank with them? It took years after she was finally captured to break her out of that, of psych- psychiatric treatment. You know? And right. the same thing with John Walsh. I don't know if John Walsh will ever come out of his false closure. Well, let's, let's dip into this a little bit more. Talk to me about the crime scenes that you uncovered as well. I think this is a very important part of the story. Oh, there's so many. First of all, we have a police report with Jeffrey Dahmer's name all over it. Mr. Jeffrey Dahmer, because in 1981, he was only a witness, okay, to a dead man that was found. Now, you know, nowadays, if we knew Jeffrey Dahmer found a dead man, you'd be very, very suspect. Right. They weren't in 81. They had no idea that he was an infamous serial killer. But because back then, I don't, I don't, they didn't know anything. Except he had Stephen Hicks, he did, that we know about. And we, uh, there's possible murders in Germany. And that's all. They didn't even know about any of that. So Jeffrey Dahmer was just a witness. What happened was Jeffrey Dahmer was booted out of the army, trying to keep this condensed again. On um, March 26, 1981, he flew to Miami because... You know, when you get um, relieved of duty from the Army, when you're discharged, they give you whatever monies they owe you. And I believe he had about uh, $850, something like that, that I calculated from his DD-214 money he had in his pocket, Mm -hmm. that in 1981, he came to Miami with a free plane ticket because you get a voucher when you get discharged, and you can take it to the airport, and and that voucher is good for any city within the uh, United States. So he decided to come to Miami. And then he worked his way over to Miami Beach. And then he ran out of money, so he started dumpster diving. And this guy uh, saw him dumpster diving behind his store. His name is Ken Halbert. The store was called Sunshine Subs. It was a sub shop. And he felt sorry for this guy, so he gave him a sandwich. A couple days later, he went out to dump the garbage, and he saw him out there eating out of the dumpster again, and he hired him as a busboy. And that's how he got a job. I mean, I guess his resume was dumpster diving. For only one I know that... He used dumpster diving as a resume right. to get a job. But anyway, he got hired as a busboy, and that was on, on that police report. Oh, after he was hired, about, according to Ken, after about 10 days of Dahmer working for him, Dahmer can't, comes back in. It was his turn to take the garbage out now. Not his turn, his job, because, you know, as the busboy, at the end of the shift, around 5 o'clock, it was his job to take the garbage out. So he comes out. He comes back into the store, and he says, whispers to Ken in a very monotone voice. He says, hey, Ken, by the way, there's a dead man by your dumpster. So Ken goes out to look. Sure enough, there's a dead guy there. So he calls the police. The police show up. They want to know who found the body. He says, my busboy. He says, well, get him out here. We need to talk to him. That's how Jeffrey Dahmer got his name all over this police report. But everything in the police report is inconsistent with what he's been telling his boss. You know, uh, and the guy only had one shoe on. So Dahmer in the police report said that the guy was sleeping in the meter room behind the store. So they went to look in the meter room. That's where they found the other shoe. And that's when it hit me. This is where he brought Adam. Because I always knew that Jeffrey Dahmer, since that encounter I had, I knew he was there, was the guy. But I just had no clue where he could have 
brought Adam. In fact, even when, when after Adam was abducted, I even joined some of the search teams to look for Adam. I mean, we were looking in people's backyards through garbage bins and you name it. And, and I spent uh, a whole day out looking for Adam because uh, I felt guilty about, you know, just turning around and leaving. And so anyway, um, everything was inconsistent. So I knew that had to be the place he brought Adam because I've always heard that, you know, usually when someone is abducted, they bring them back to some place they're familiar with and they feel more comfortable with. So anyway, uh, a TV show got involved in that, ABC Primetime, and they flew down from New York, and they did a TV show about the media room. They hired this uh, CSI expert. Her name is Jan John. She's supposed to be one of the best in the state. And she did um, a field test on this blood spatter that she described as being indicative of a homicidal pattern on that back wall. Keep in mind, this dead man that Dharma, quote-unquote, found didn't have any blood on him. So it right. wasn't his blood. So it wasn't him. So that means but it somebody was a homicide else. in that meter room. Right. Somebody died in that meter room, and the police refused to investigate. Now, so how is that when you have a case like this and they refuse to even investigate? Somebody died. It was described as being indicative of a homicidal pattern. And... And proof positive for blood, but they could never get DNA on, out of it. You know, with a field kit, it took the, the, it, the swab turned purple, which, which is a positive ID for blood, as blood. But it, they never could get DNA out of it because it was, uh, it was uh, 27 years at that time. Right. Or 20, 20, 20 I got to guess the humidity time. and just the, the relative. And the, and the mortared wall right. with the lime in it. If you ever work with uh, lime or cement, you know how it eats your hands away. I mean, so uh, it, the DNA never, never had a chance to get DNA. But anyway, so there's a crime scene. The police don't want to investigate. So that's the one, one of the uh, scenes. And, and also that place where Dharma worked, also there was a blue van. Okay, they had, there was two stores, up, a pizza store and a sub shop. Uh, one guy owned them. His name is Mike Pelletier. And uh, Ken Halbert managed the sub shop for him. So th they had three vehicles for the pizza store that did pizza deliveries. And nowadays, I know a lot of these pizza places, you use your own vehicle and you just put a sign on the roof. But back right. then, that wasn't that common. The, you know, the stores had their own vehicles. At least this store did. So they had three vehicles. And they never really used the, the blue van except in the wintertime when it got more busy because, you know, this is uh, Sunny Isles in Florida is a tourist area. There's all hotels right along the ocean there, right. big hotels. So, so they get a lot of, lot of traffic down here in the wintertime. But this was, keep in mind, this is in June of 81. So this is in the middle of the summer, or July, I should say, of 81. So this is in the middle of the summer. So it was very slow, so they only used the two white vans. The blue van was mostly just sitting in the back of the parking, in the parking lot. So all the employees were taking it and using it. They all had access to Jeffrey it. Dahmer. Did they anybody ever it. complain or say that there was any kind of uh, weird smell or residue, anything at any point that might have led them to believe that, that Adam had been transported in the van at one point? No. No, not really, not that I ever heard or know of. But uh, Adam wasn't necessarily murdered in that van. Where the blood spatter is, right. is where I believe he was murdered, in that meter room. And uh, according to one of the witnesses, uh, I believe Adam's severed head may have been put in a bucket and transported to the place where it was found. The reason I say that is because on it, his severed head was found on August 10th. Keep in mind... Adam was abducted on July 27th, so right. we're talking about several weeks uh, after his abduction. Uh, the severed head was found. Okay, that would be, again, uh, August 10th it was found. Now, several witnesses, in fact, four witnesses, saw a blue van at that site where the severed head was found. Two of those witnesses saw the uh, van there on, on August uh, 7th. So that would be been like two and a half days before it was found because it was at midnight, 12.30 in the morning. And so that would have been two and a half to three days after it was uh, found. Now, I contacted the, all those witnesses from that site, and one of the witnesses told me he, when uh, Adam's severed head was found, he suspected that that was related. So he called the Hollywood Police Department and told them that he saw a man 
in a blue van, stopped. He was standing on this little bridge with a white bucket. He took something out of the white bucket and threw it, something round out of the white bucket and threw it into the water. You know what he was told by the detective that he talked to? He doesn't know who the detective was. He doesn't recall his name. What? But he was told, yeah, yeah, we already know about the blue van. It has nothing to do with the Adam Walsh case. So stupid. So what, were, just dismissive yeah, left and right over or, over facts that many people are reporting. They're looking past these composite drawings. They're looking past the fact that the blue van was was seen. And just they got tunnel vision. They they found who they believed were their, their top um suspects and just wouldn't release that's where they that's where their focus stayed exactly they got so focused on james campbell i mean they they grilled him month after month but you know john walsh finally hired an attorney to get them to send them a letter to leave campbell alone that's the only way they would finally stop bothering him you know i mean they were calling him every kind of name you could think of and well, the hold, you could hear him all the way down the hallway screaming at him calling hold, him hold tight you know willis what. we have to take a break we'll come back and continue this conversation here on the tom bernard show tom here for saber plumbing heating and air conditioning when you call saber for service you'll get a certified technician that's an expert at diagnosing repairing and installing heating and air conditioning equipment saber techs give you the service you need not the other stuff that you don't need when you combine that with Sabre's A rating for customer service and the best equipment from Bryant, you get exactly what you need. So make the call to Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning today. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. Let's talk about good things. Does your car work? You got a roof over your head? You got kids, parents, a spouse who loves you, or a mate? These are the good things you have because you live in America, the country that has more immigration than any other nation on earth. You have these things because the U.S. military stands at a wall and protects you from any person or thing that would take them away from you. The entire volunteer military that stands at the ready just in case. The greatest fighting force ever known on planet earth. Every person serving in our military is ready to lay down their life for your freedom, and all too often, they do. I'm the executive director of the Gold Star Ride Foundation, an organization set up to do just one thing, take care of families left behind when one of our brave fighters loses their life for you. We're riding motorcycles throughout the country to achieve this purpose, and you can help. Go to goldstarride.org and make a donation or learn where we are so you can come and ride with us. It's a small thing we do. It was a huge thing that they did. Goldstarride.org. That's goldstarride.org. Make a donation today. Don't have music. All right, so. We can hum. We can. Welcome back to the Tom Bernard Show. I'm Dave Schrader. Today we're talking with Willis Morgan. Frustrated Witness, his book, not only implicates Jeffrey Dahmer, but presents the facts to the court of public opinion in hope that uh, it will ultimately bring justice for Adam Walsh. We've been hearing some of the more uh, compelling arguments that you've made. And again, it's, it's I don't, you know, to me, maybe because I've heard your story so often, Willis, and I've, I've seen all of the information on it, it, it just makes sense to me as I was talking off air with the guys in the studio here. What are the odds that you have one of the most prolific and horrific serial killers just miles away who was also witnessed at the mall the day that Adam Walsh vanished, who had access to a blue van, and that he hasn't had more scrutiny you know, uh, and, and more uh, of the light shown on him regarding this is beyond me. It, it, it leaves at least enough of a shadow of a doubt that it could be anybody else that I think they definitely need to reinvestigate this case. Do you think it's ever going to get that reinvigoration without the nod of John Walsh? I'm, I'm pretty sure if John Walsh came out tomorrow and said, you know what? I think this needs to be reopened. I believe they would reopen it. I think out of courtesy to John Walsh is why they're just leaving things alone. Do you believe that might have a, a big factor into why the, the police department just wants to leave this be aside from then having to admit their mistakes and the fact that a lot of those people have now moved up in the ranks throughout law enforcement. Uh, you know, do you think we'll ever see it happen without the nod of John, Wal- John Walsh? No, and, and, and they've not only moved up through the ranks, but they're all hiding in their retirement, most of them, you know, so they, they don't want to talk about it. Uh, like I said, Michelle Solomon did a podcast about it. She tried to contact the police chief. He said, everything I said during that closing is all I have to say. He won't say anything further. Hmm. Yeah, um, so, you know, I mean, they're all in cover-up mode. But let me tell you the, the plea. You know, I filed a lawsuit against this detective, Joe Matthews, okay? Now, we talked about that blue van. 
it's, that blue van is at all three lo- locations relevant to Adam's abduction. At the Hollywood Mall, numerous witnesses saw Adam being tossed into a blue van, okay? At the uh, site where Adam's severed head was found, okay? Uh, witnesses saw a blue van there. And, of course, where Jeffrey Dahmer worked, there was a blue van in, uh, that was owned there. So, you know, in Joe Matthews' book, he writes on page 27, I think it's 26 or 27, he writes, all those blue van sightings to me are about as worthless as the sightings of the Loch Ness Monster. So this is John Walsh's knight in shining armor, you know, his, uh, the guy that closed the case, pinning it on this guy, Otis Tool, who had nothing to do. Let me tell you, you know, in my book, I list other cases. Well, wait, let, let me ask you one thing. You said that you, uh, you brought up a lawsuit against him? Oh, I did, yes. In what effort? What was the hopes? Well, because at the time, he refuses to this day to show this manuscript. And now he wrote a 400-page manuscript and gave it to the police chief and bamboozled the police chief into closing the case based on his manuscript, okay? Now, according to Florida Sunshine Laws, you know, anything that's accepted that in a case has to become part of the case files and, and subject to... Uh, Sunshine Laws. Freedom of Information. Yeah, public domain. Okay. So anyway, I I asked for those uh, that file. The Hollywood Police Department refused to show it to me. Joe Matthews refused to show me his book. And yet he writes in his book that he wants that manuscript that he wrote to be uh, used by police departments throughout the country as an example of how to solve a case, a cold case. You know, how to investigate a cold case. But yet now, all of a sudden, when I filed a lawsuit, he refuses to show it to anybody. You know? So I filed a lawsuit against him. Now, the problem is, uh, you know, down here, we don't have a justice system. We only have a system because our system is so corrupt, you know, with political expediency. He hires this uh, attorney that donates to these judges, donates money, and... Down here, they have a cap on how much you can donate in Florida. It's $500. But he gets around that law by donating his 500 His wife donates 500 His six-year-old daughter donates 500 His wife's business donates 500 His uh, even younger son donates his 500 You know, where does a, a four-year-old get $500? I have no clue. What does he know about donating to anybody? But this, this is what they do. So they go before these judges to get favorable decisions, and, and you'll, uh, a common citizen down here will never get justice. Because, listen, I have a letter in the police files. These Moana cops put these letters in their police files. Now, one of those letters, when Joe Matthews gave that manuscript that he wrote to the Hollywood police chief, Chad Wagner, Chad Wagner wrote a letter to the state attorney's office and attached it to that report that he made, that manuscript, saying we would like you to look over this because we would like to close the case based on this manuscript, okay? So that's pretty clear that they read it and gave it to the state attorney's office. So now the state attorney has their own case files, okay? Now, they don't have that manuscript either. They refuse to show it, but they wrote a letter back when, when it was given to them back to the police chief. When they returned it, saying, yes, we agree with everything in this manuscript. What a great report this is showing how Otis II murdered Adam Walsh. Okay? Now, which means they accepted it and they read it. Now, how clear is that that this should be part of the case files? Yet, when I sued, my case was thrown out because they said, well, the, the, the police chief said he didn't use it. It doesn't matter. According to Sunshine Law, it doesn't matter whether you agree with it, because they've been so many, wrong so many times before. You know, who's to say their opinions are wrong one more time? And, and even if they are wrong or right, it's all irrelevant. Once you accept it, it has to be part of the case files. Let nobody me, has, nobody wants to show it. Let me mention something, Willis, and I'll, I'll mention it to you guys here in the studio. Here's, here's a part of this when you were asking me, Doug, where do I stand on this? Does it make sense? Here's an interesting aspect of this. Willis Morgan is publicly on major radio shows and TV interviews and in a book saying, this is how you screwed up. This is how you, you lied and covered this stuff up. If it was incorrect and he was besmirching your character, wouldn't you log a lawsuit against him for libel? You would libel? think so, sure. Do you know why somebody wouldn't do that? Well, it's kind of agreement by silence, right? 
Well, but there's also the case that if I decide to sue Willis because I feel he's he's uh, tearing down my character, his attorney gets then to depose me and they can yeah. ask any questions they want, which now puts me under the gun. And that suddenly can flip on them real quickly and get this case reopened or reexamined because of that. So it's interesting to, and very telling to me that by doing nothing regarding all of the allegations that Willis is throwing out there, it, it does seem to, to build a bit of a credibility factor to me that... No, I agree. So my right, question is... That they, they're trying to cover something up. What evidence do they actually have to either prove or disprove this? And it's difficult because, you know, the... Right. The... the, the, the possible perpetrators are all dead right well it was Otis tools uh admission right and then recanting but then he admitted but then he recanted yeah. so you've got a, a known liar who also took and if i remember this correctly willis right he had stepped up we don't even know if, if this guy killed anybody more than one person yeah but he stepped right. up and, and didn't he make claims of killing like some insane amount of people 50 or something i don't remember it was a lot how about hundreds yeah hundreds he, he, okay he well, made claims and once then, you get past five it's yeah a you lot. just stop counting right uh but but the point is detectives from all over the country fighting like traders at the stock market to interview out his tool you know so because they wanted to clear cases in their states and right boy the you Lindbergh know kidnapping. he was a one-man crime stopper you know yeah. uh, he was solving cases all over the country only after they realized that the timelines clash. You can't be in New Jersey and California at this, within the same hour. And so one by one, they all dismissed them except for one police department, and that's the Hollywood Police Department. But eventually they dismissed them as well, except for that one detective we talked about. So He's that, to only- me, is an interesting aspect of this case. With about five minutes left here, uh, give us some of the most compelling uh, arguments for you as well, uh, Willis, to wrap up so people that are still on the fence can can see a little bit more into the, the uh, rabbit hole you've been taking us into. Well, I went to the Hollywood Police Department, you know, after, just before they closed the case, okay? And I went there and tried to uh, have an appointment with the police chief, Chad Wagner, and he had his goonies do all but threaten me with arrest, telling me that I just admitted I was at the Hollywood Mall on that day. For all they know, I could have done it. They said, how would you like it if we arrest you right now? And this one detective backs up a couple steps with a smirk on his face and folds his arm like a tough guy and says, so, do you think you want to come back here again? (laughs) These are the kind of detectives we're dealing with. I mean, obviously that didn't threaten me. I mean, it's a joke. I'd love for them to arrest me. Right, you know, and but, I'd love for Joe Matthews to sue me. I dare him in my book to sue me. You know what you said about him is, doesn't even touch the surface about what I say about him in my book. I mean, I call him every scathing thing you can imagine in my book, and yet he does nothing except to go on Amazon and write a one-star review about my book called "This Is a Junk of a Book." You gotta go read it, and then the two-star book as well, two-star review as well. Frustrated witness is a domino theory to nowhere. Those are them. But here's the funny thing, right? A domino theory won't work if there aren't other dominoes to fall into, <laughs> right? If the, if it's not making sense and saying that this domino theory falls into nowhere, but you've you've illustrated a pretty compelling story and tying it to a guy who was there that even his own father believes he had a hand in this murder and said so at the time. It's, it's, right. I understand the title frustrated witness and how so many of the witnesses and you've been kind enough to bring them on to different shows with me that have right. also seen him encountered him and knew that he was active and in that area. And right. certainly now, you know, and Doug brought up a, a quick point. Where was Dahmer originally from? Was it like Indiana or something? No, he was from Ohio. Ohio. That's right. So then he went into the military. He ended up in Florida. Then of course, eventually in Milwaukee where his, his killing spree finally came to an end. Um, but during any of this, did Dahmer ever try to lay claim to it? Or you said that he kind of, you know, gave a, a statement. Did, did, can you tell us what that was? Well, to the FBI agent that was in, interrogating him or interviewing him, he told him, he says, listen, Neil, he says, you know, anybody that confesses to Adam won't live a week in prison. So that's what he said. And, and well, he didn't FBI make it very long as I recall. That is a near no. confession. I think he made it a year or two in yeah, prison, yeah. Maybe. Yeah, let, let, me, let me explain something to you. What, what, what you were saying about Matthews and, and filing a lawsuit against me. I would love for them to do that because then, keep in mind, that would be a lawsuit in front of a civil jury. Right. 
who is not held hostage to political expediency. Right. And civil juries have, you have to do less uh, proof as well to, uh, to kind of get that case. I don't need less proof. There's all the proof you want. If you read the book, let me say real quick, if anybody, I'm not asking anybody to buy the book, but at least go on Amazon and read the one and two star review, as well as comments other reviewers gave to those stupid uh, reviews. But read that. You can go to my website. It's free. Frustratedwitness.com. And listen to some of the, uh, Interviews with other witnesses and listen to one interview on, on the Convicting the Innocent page that Joe Matthews did on a radio show bloviating about how Otis II ate all his victims, including, quote-unquote, Adam. And then when I heard that radio show, I called them and I told them who they just did an interview with, and they let me and Mia Taylor, who you, who you know, Dave, do, do another interview. So I put those two interviews side by side. You listen to Joe's interview and listen to um, Mia and myself, and you decide who you think is telling the truth. That time I was threatened with arrest, I was so incensed. I went out and paid, because they refused to give me one. I went out and paid for my own polygraph test. Hmm. And, of course, I passed with flying colors. Willis, thank you for continuing to beat the drum and try to keep this story out there. And how often do you hear the uh, author say, you don't even have to buy my book, just go read the reviews? Yeah. That's, again, another piece of the puzzle. But I I recommend if you want a compelling read and you're into the aspect of true crime and and would like to see this full narrative unfold before you, pick up the book Frustrated Witness and and check it out. Willis, uh, thank you again for coming on and spending some time. Thank you. And as you, uh, if, if any other news breaks, please let us know. We'd love to visit with you again. That's it uh, for today and, and wrapping up uh, the Tom Bernard Show. It's always good to sit in with you guys. Thank you for being a part that of this That was a blast. Me. What do you guys think when you hear a case like this and then there's a new shot of invigoration? Should should we out of – so, is justice still important for the, for the, for the a, victim? A, they're really a great question. So the victim's obviously dead. Right. Uh, the, is and his parents honest, want to move is past. Is this tool guy dead too? Yes. And Dahmer's dead. Yeah. So mm-hmm. at some point it's like – so we're trying to f- solve this because... Yeah. Well, I understand the want and desire that, you know, the truth should be told. Yeah, accurate And especially record. in this case, that. it should be. And and who is the voice of the victim if, if somebody is, if nobody else is but stepping up? But that was up? the point, because obviously I don't know anything about it, or right. just the, the basics everybody knows. But what physical evidence do they have that, have, let's say they decided to reinvestigate this? Yeah. Yeah, what that's the whole point is. I don't know. Yeah, it'd be interesting to have somebody. I'm ca- I can't believe Netflix or somebody else hasn't stepped up to take this book and, and Get re-examine the it. Of a murderer, guys. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Well, that's it. Uh, hey, check me out Midnight in the Desert Monday through Friday. You can check me out at midnightinthedesert.com. And tomorrow, uh, you guys have some comedians coming in. You've got uh, Tom back on Monday. Thank you for tuning into the Tom Bernard Show.